Open Science Talk, the podcast about open science. My name is Pierre Pipinaspos, and I'm joined by Pierre Mounier, who also participated in another episode recently. Pierre, you are a representative of the EHESS in, uh, in France and also important person in several open science projects, not only in France, but across Europe, actually. So I would like to hear with you about something called OPERAS, another of those acronyms. What is that? So OPERA stands for um, uh, Open Scholarly Communication in the European Research Area for Social Sciences and Humanities. You can try to find back the, the letters, it doesn't match, but uh, it's not a problem. Uh, so this is a, a project that we, uh, with uh, some colleagues and now a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, colleagues, we, we started almost uh, 10 years ago as an idea to try to uh, better coordinate the stakeholders and the actors across the European research area, let's say Europe, who are doing something, working to support open scholarly communication in the social sciences and humanities. The initial um, uh, idea that we had, uh, and the initial conversation was actually at uh, one uh, Frankfurt book fair, oh. you know, after the... At the end of the of the day, after all the formal uh, business meetings, uh, uh, at five o'clock, uh, there is a ring bell, and uh, it's over. And then everyone starts uh, drinking good wine and uh, uh, having uh, informal conversations. And I think that it was during one of these informal conversations amongst friends, basically colleagues, but friends, that we we. Uh, had the idea that uh, the, 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 the landscape in open scholarly communication in SSH was really fragmented across the different stakeholders, not only across the countries, the different countries, but within the countries, between publishers, infrastructures, institutions, libraries, policymakers, funders, and so on, and even between publishers. So there, there, was, there is a, tr- uh, a tendency in this domain from the stakeholders to reinvent the wheel, to develop their own solution in their own corner. So we identified intuitively that there was a gap for having an organization that would support and help all the community to coordinate themselves better, to be able to speak with one voice, to share knowledge, technology, know-how, to work collectively together. And uh, that was the idea of OPERA. So the solution to, to, uh, or not the... The solution, but uh, let's say the the the, uh, the the thing that we could develop uh, to address this gap was to uh, develop uh, a distributed infrastructure across Europe, gathering all organizations as much as possible, and developing collective work together through uh, working groups. So in OPRAS, we call that special interest groups who are de- dedicated to specific topics through projects. So now we have several European projects uh, together to develop different things. And maybe we are going to talk about one, one of them specifically and to develop services because uh, the, one of the function and the mission of an infrastructure is to provide services to uh, the community. So we are also developing a portfolio of services that can be developed at European level, that are per, uh, relevant at European level, and as a result of a collective effort. Yeah, 
how does this relate then to something else that some people have heard about, perhaps EOSC, the the, the European Open Science Cloud? Are mm. are you sort of two parallel institutions, or is there some sort of mix between these two? I, I don't mean pro, uh, institutions; I mean projects. Yeah, which much more uh, we are much more modest than EOSC because uh, EOSC is quite covering a uh, little bit everything in in terms of uh, digital services for. Uh, for open science, uh, and it covers all disciplines, of course. Uh, it covers also uh, very technological infrastructures and services. So we, Opera's, we are developing services for a specific topic, which is open scholarly communication in humanities and social sciences. So mainly publication, publishing, things like that, and scholarly communication. So this is a sub-part of EOSC. So, of course, our aim our objective is uh, to uh, support the integration of the services uh, that are developed by our members or that we are developing as a distributed infrastructure to support the integration of those services into, into the EOSC. So we are uh, a small brick in the great uh, wall <laughs> of EOSC. Right. Um, what kind of people sign up for this? A vision than operas. It sounds like a, a bit of a vision that was uh, uh, conceived uh, during uh, during uh, a, a con collegial atmosphere. Uh, but what? Who, who are joining? So now we have uh, around uh, more than uh, fifty organizations who are members of opera. So legally, opera uh, today is an association. So it's an international association under the Belgian law, uh, an AISBL. Uh, which we consider as a prefiguration of another legal entity that we are working hard on building, uh, that would be an ERIC. So the ERIC is the legal status for European research infrastructures. Uh, but at the moment, we are a membership organization. So we have more than 50 uh, members. And what is really interesting, I think we didn't plan for that, but it, it really came out from the community itself, that... Amongst our members, we have all kinds of stakeholders. So we have university presses, such as UCL Press, for example, which is, who is one of our members. Uh, we have uh, universities and libraries, such as the uni uh, Arctic University of Norway, because you are one of our members. Uh, we have research organizations such as CNRS or, or the Max Weber Foundation, for example. Uh, we have uh, libraries, uh, we have service providers. Uh, so, for example, from Serbia, we have an organization who is providing uh, inf scientific information services. Uh, so, really technical service providers. Uh, we have scholarly societies, uh, etc. So, that's interesting to, to have a reflection of the diversity of the community within our membership. And that's not only interesting, that's really essential to operas because once again, our mission is to help the community coordinate among themselves, taking ground on the diversity of the missions, the skills and the specificities of our different members. So that's really important and that's really hard because there is a variety of types of organizations across a variety of countries. So you have a multiplication of diversity and that you have to provide coordination mechanisms, coordination support to this diversity. But that's what makes uh, the work in Opera's really interesting. And how does this work? work? <laughs> mm. I mean, um, 
we just came out of an a pandemic. Um, mm. How there was not so much Frankfurt Book Fair nope. meetings uh, over a glass of wine and so on. So so how how has this um, been developed in in in, in that kind of uh, circumstances? Yeah. In fact, uh, of course, we were impacted uh, a little bit by uh, by by the the epidemic uh, because we had uh, in presence conferences before. So there was, for example, uh, two conferences in Athens that were really important to have people engaging with each other and uh, and and working more collaboratively, knowing better each other. But uh, from the very beginning, we we used uh, um, Zoom calls and uh, and online uh, online conferences. So we organized one of our conference completely online, and it worked well. It was a lot of work, but it worked. Um, so the important point for us is to uh, set up, let's say, a network of groups, smaller groups working together which are coordinated between themselves. Okay, so now I go into the detail. So the basic layer of operas is, uh, are the special interest groups that I've uh, mentioned uh, earlier. So we have different special interest groups which are dedicated to specific topics. We have one on business model, one on open access book, one on standards, one on uh, best practice, uh, one on advocacy, one on multilingualism, etc. So you see those are also topics which are really important for the humanities and social sciences and the scholarly communication. Every member of OPRAS can join any, any group. So the members, they can participate freely to the, different, the work of the different groups. And then the groups are expected, the special interest groups, they are expected to identify together the state of art in their domain, on their topic, and the gaps in the landscape, okay? And they, they wrote and they published uh, two versions of white paper for identifying the gaps uh, regarding their topic. And from there, we can set up projects to address the gap and develop services. So basically, it's how it works in operas. But we have set up also a political governance framework that ensure that the diversity of points of view of the community is well represented in the governance of operas. So when you take all the members participating to the different special interest groups all together, it makes what we call the assembly of the commons. And I insist on this title because it has a political meaning. Okay, so this is the assembly of all those who have a common interest for the common good. And we, we, uh, we convene the Assembly of the Commons twice a year to discuss common topics that are interesting for, for, for them. And then you have other governing bodies inside OPRA. So we have a special advisory, uh, scientific advisory committee with researchers. Uh, we have an executive assembly with 10 organizations who represent not only their organization, but also their country and we take more uh, commitment for, to support the development of operas. So we have now 10 countries represented in the Executive Assembly. And of course, they consult, cons uh, they consult uh, uh, all the time with the larger operas community. And then we have a General Assembly where we, have, uh, we invite our supporting members and, and the ministries of the countries to also uh, have a look 
uh, at what we are doing, the, our budget, our activities, our strategic plan, and so on. So, to sum up, what we tried to set up was a multi-stakeholder governance framework where all the parties are representing and represented and active and participating to developing together a common framework. So that's the way we try to, uh, to achieve our mission, which is once again to coordinate the community given the diversity of the stakeholders. So I don't know if it will work uh, eventually, but at least that's what we try to do. You mentioned the word common good, um, mm. that this, uh, this uh, large number of people and, and special interest groups should work together for a common good. And, and what is that? So the common good is, um, so yeah, the common good first, in my opinion, is knowledge. They are common good. What do we have in common? What is the good that we have in common that we should take care of? we are working in a domain which is knowledge production. Okay, so our community produce knowledge. So for operas in humanity and social sciences, so it's knowledge about society and culture, okay, and humans. So this knowledge is our common good in the sense that we should collectively take care of it. And taking care of it means a lot of things. So it means to preserve it, of course, but it means also to make the best of it, to exploit it, uh, and to share it, and to disseminate it to whoever needs this knowledge to conduct their life, to be more human, to, uh, to improve their life, basically. So this is, I, I hope this is the answer to your question. Our common good is knowledge about society and culture and humans. And as an infrastructure, our role, and as an umbrella organization with a lot of members, our common uh, role is to take care of that and to develop uh, a lot of services and exploitation of this knowledge to take care of the knowledge and to make the best use of it. Yeah. And um, I guess opening up knowledge as mm. much as possible would then be important in this uh, context, wouldn't it? Uh, do you have, uh, do you have uh, people there who would tend not to, who would like more exclusivity and so on? Or are you all on the same page? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I will answer you, uh, your question by one uh, of our uh, participation rule that we ask our future members to sign uh, to subscribe if they want to become a member. So if an organization, let's say a publisher, wants to become an OPRAS member, we have one requirement, which is not that this publisher has all his catalog open access, all his, his uh, or her content open access. The requirement is that this publisher has the intention to open up the content and to go into the road towards open access. Why do I say that? It's because a lot of stakeholders, such as publishers, in the humanities particularly, they are reluctant to adopt open access, not because on a, let's say, a ideological point of view, they are against open access. Some are, but 
they are really not for us. But most of them, they are reluctant because they, are, they feel threatened by open access. So our role is not to, uh, uh, to gather inside operas only those who succeeded into adopting open access and leave aside on the road the other ones because they are struggling in terms of business model or economic model or technical difficulties or, I don't know, whatever, or skills, for example. Our role is to help them transition towards open access. So hence, our, this specific requirement, you are, not you are not obliged to be full open access to become an Opera member, but it makes sense to become an Opera member if you have the intention to transition towards open access, and then we will help you. That's the basic. Yeah, that's interesting. And I would um, like to hear towards the end, is there a contact point? I mean, if I were listening to this podcast as an individual researcher, I, I, I don't feel I have a, like a network around me, but I, f I feel this is interesting. How, w where should I contact operas to become part? It depends uh, with whom you are most comfortable. So you can have, for example, uh, it depends on your, your country. Uh, so um, if, you have, uh, if you are Norwegian, for example, there is already uh, a Norwegian member, uh, which is the Arctic University of Norway. So maybe you should contact some people in this university to start talking with them, so with you, <laughs> basically, uh, about uh, becoming an OPRAS member and how it can be interesting. What is your experience being an OPRAS member? So you, you may contact uh, Aisa Ikanger, for example, who could uh, provide you an insight from, uh, from the inside about uh, the experience of being an OPRAS member. But you can contact the coordinators of uh, OPRAS. So we have two coordinators, so I'm one of them. Uh, you can contact me, that's uh, really easy. Or Suzanne Dumouchel, who is my co-coordinator uh, at the level of the organization. But we have also, also other people. So uh, you, you can contact the core members uh, who are a member of the executive assembly uh, that can help you also uh, having this conversation. And uh, we have a community manager. Her name uh, uh, is Carla Avanzo. Uh, she works in France. Uh, but uh, she, she would be happy as well to, to answer your questions and to start the conversation with you. Pierre Monnier, thank you so much for explaining uh, operas to our listeners. Thank you to you. Open Science Talk is produced by the University Library of UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Thanks for listening.